to a Hope 103.2 podcast. So what exactly is the content of our hope? What is the promised future we are eagerly to expect? I think it boils down to four things, each of which I'll tackle in turn in the remaining talks of this series of reflections. The fundamental thing Christians eagerly expect is the so-called second coming of Christ. I actually think the language of a second coming is a little misleading because from the perspective of the New Testament, the return of Christ at the climax of history is actually his true coming. What occurred between 5 BC and AD 30 was not the main feature, but the preview of the glorious arrival of the Messiah. The historical ministry of Jesus of Nazareth was, if you like, the advance notice of who the coming Messiah is and what he really stands for. It's only when he arrives in universal glory that the Messiah's mission foretold in the Old Testament will be properly realized. More about that later in the series. The second aspect of Christian hope has to do with the final judgment, or perhaps more accurately, final justice. A central role of the Messiah, according to both the Old and New Testaments, is to overthrow all that is opposed to the Creator. The first Christians longed for the Judgment Day, not out of some macabre fascination with vengeance, but because they longed for the evils of our world to be put right. Thirdly, the New Testament asks believers to look expectantly beyond the grave. I think there's a lot of confusion here in modern Christianity. Many of us suppose that the promise of eternal life in the Bible has to do with our souls, whatever they are, resting evermore in God's heavenly presence. But where the New Testament hints at such a view, and it only hints at it, it makes perfectly clear that this is only a temporary arrangement until all the dead are raised for judgment and those who are in Christ will enjoy a transformed bodily existence, an existence modelled on Christ's own resurrection. Eternal life in the Bible is the resurrection life that follows what we normally think of as life after death. This relates to the fourth and climactic aspect of Christian hope, God's new creation. The Bible, Old and New Testament, envisions the kingdom come not as a soulish eternity in a heavenly realm, but as the reality of heaven come to earth. The biblical promise of the resurrection of the body finds its counterpart in the pledge of a restored creation. I can't wait to unpack this theme later in the series because I think this is one of the most inspiring and yet misunderstood teachings in the whole Bible. Well, that's the shape of biblical hope. These are the four things that constitute God's promised future. I want to underline now the ground of that hope. What is it based on? Well, in biblical usage... Hope is not a pie-in-the-sky-when-you-die kind of feeling. Nor is it just wishful thinking born of a human longing for survival beyond the grave. Biblical hope is grounded in God's prior historical engagement with the world. 
The events of the past are intimately connected with God's promises about the future. To put it more precisely, Christian hope is grounded in the historical activity of Jesus Christ, his teaching, miracles, death and resurrection. Jesus' earthly life was not only the preview of his messianic identity and character, it was also the foretaste and guarantee of the Messiah's kingdom itself. Now, there are four ways in which this is so. Let me race through them. Firstly, the miracles of Jesus, his healings, exorcisms, and control over nature were signs of the restoration of all things in God's future kingdom. The things that would be fully realized only in the future kingdom were actually glimpsed in Christ's ministry of restoration. Secondly, the raising of Jesus from the dead was another future reality brought into the present. See, Jesus' resurrection was not simply the proof of his status as Messiah. It was actually the demonstration of one of the Bible's fundamental promises about the future. The Old Testament insists that at the end of history, God will raise the dead and revive creation. If you want to see this for yourself, look up Isaiah 65, 17 to 26 and Daniel 12, 1 to 4. This promise of the raising of the dead and the revival of creation finds its divine guarantee, a down payment, you could say, within history in the resurrection of Jesus himself. Thirdly, Jesus' death was also a future event brought forward. What Jesus endured on the cross on our behalf was the wrath or anger due to all of us on the day of judgment. That's quite clear in Romans 5 verse 9. For those of us who have embraced the mercy secured by his death, the judgment day has, in a sense, already occurred. Our verdict has already been pronounced, forgiven. Fourthly, the gift of the Holy Spirit given to every believer is itself a down payment of a coming reality. This is often uh, greatly misunderstood. See, in the Old Testament, God's future kingdom is described as a world fully possessed by God's Holy Spirit. You can see this in Ezekiel 37, verses 11 to 14, and in Joel 2, 28 and 29. All of life will be revived and empowered by the breath or spirit, they're the same word in Hebrew, of the eternal God. Now, the New Testament says that in advance of that future spirit-endowed existence, God has bestowed on his children now a little deposit of the full payment of the spirit that is yet to come in the future kingdom. As Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 13, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The point here is that the giving of the Holy Spirit now, moving us to praise God, obey God, and serve one another with our spiritual gifts, is actually a foretaste within history 
of the ultimate spirit-possessed life we will all enjoy in full in God's coming kingdom. History and hope are thoroughly intertwined. Well, Christianity is three-dimensional. It's about faith in Christ, love of our neighbour, and hope in God's promised future. I'm simply urging us today not to forget this third dimension. I'm dobbing myself in here. I'm troubled by how little God's promised future features now in my thoughts and prayers, not to mention my recent sermons. My youthful longing for Christ's return and God's eternal kingdom has, if I'm honest with myself, dwindled over the years. Why is that? Is it because I've matured now and acquired a more measured understanding of biblical faith? Is it because I'm embarrassed about being associated with those loony Christians who try to predict the hour and minute of Jesus' return? Is it because I find the whole thing difficult to believe now after all these centuries have passed? Is it because I have so many friends who refuse God and about whose fate I worry? Well, perhaps all of these things have contributed, but I'm pretty sure the main reason is that over the years, I've grown unhealthily attached to now. See, I like where I live. I love my circle of friends. I like good food and wine. I like the TV I watch, the music I listen to, and the places I get to visit. And even though I know there is untold poverty and injustice in the world, and that Christ's kingdom will make all things new, I still find myself comfortable with the way things are for me. One of the theologians I was reading during the week described the healthy Christian life as similar to a child's experience of Advent, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. The expectation of Christmas Day with its parties, presents and celebrations fills the whole of December with Christmas meaning. We wrap gifts, put up decorations, write cards and invitations and so on. These Christmas activities are not only born out of expectation, they also increase our expectation, don't they? They encourage us, or at least the children, and make the whole Christmas experience more tangible, more exciting. Well, the New Testament says pretty much the same thing about being a Christian. We live in the advent of the future arrival of Christ, and our lives are to be decked out with the signs of that expectation, with praise to the coming Lord, with perspective on life's momentary troubles, with generosity when it comes to passing wealth, with joy that there is more to life, and with prayer that pleads God, thy kingdom come. Hope 103.2. Thanks for listening.